Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are back. We are back. Hello, hello. Steph Diesel, Jeffrey Reeser. Here we are. And on this lovely, lovely Friday, we are hitting some pretty dark, uh, masterfully crafted thrillers for you. Yeah, so you know them. You definitely know The Departed, which is the uh, latter uh, film that we'll be covering today. And uh, it's a remake of the Hong Kong 2002 film uh, Infernal Affairs. Right. For what it's worth, Infernal Affairs is actually a trilogy. And as far Mm. as I know, we we have only seen the first one. And I don't know if The Departed took any inspiration from the sequels, but there seems to to be a possibility that that it did. In any event, there is a lot to talk about between these two films. For those who do live under a rock, The Departed came out in 2010, right, Jeff? 2006. 2006. Oh, wow, that was a long time ago. 2006, directed by Martin Scorsese, written by William Monaghan. Oh, man, what a movie. Uh, I mean, both of these movies are just so damn kinetic. Yeah. The Departed, I I remember the first time I had seen that, I, I was, I mean, yeah, it was 2006, so I was in high school. And I didn't understand so many of the like, you know, there's all that cop cop jargon and the 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 pieces of the puzzle and some of the social context. I didn't completely wrap my head around, but I do remember how it affected me. Here's the weird thing, and maybe because I had seen The Departed before, but watching it again, I didn't have that same like. When I first watched it as a kid, I had this ominous feeling when when Jack Nicholson's character appeared and right. and um, just being so nervous for like everyone's death, impending doom, you know, uh, uh, especially with the movie called The Departed. I didn't get that watching it again, maybe because I'm just so hyper aware of everything happening, but I did have that watching Infernal Affairs, which I thought was really interesting. Infernal Affairs, I was like edge of my seat. Um, throughout the whole thing really yeah well shit i mean there's a lot to love about both of them um i mean let's just let's start with infernal um right and then because that's the og i mean i was co-directed by andrew lau and alan mack written by mack and felix john thank you thank you yeah, and just a little background, um, Andrew Lau is also a cinematographer, mm. and um, he was a DP on, I want to say it was, I don't know if it's for sure his first film, but it's definitely one of his first films called uh, As Tears Go By. It's an early Wong Kar Wai film, uh, and then Andrew Lau was also co-DP on uh, Chunking Express, which is one of the most influential Hong Kong films of all time, perhaps the most. And, um, and the other DP is Christopher Doyle. And uh, they created a really, really classic and ever imitated visual style. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, like, uh, and, and Christopher Doyle, who's, I think he's either American or British, um, but he does a lot of a- Asian films. Didn't he? Didn't he shoot uh, that movie that I that I love? That Hero. Italia? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Christopher Doyle did Hero. That's right. Yeah, he's he's an absolute genius. Um, yeah. But he was a visual consultant on Infernal Affairs, and then when it started, I was thinking, there's no way he really was on set or like did anything. And then and then I learned because <laughs> it just doesn't look anything like it a doesn't Christopher look like, Doyle it doesn't film. look like his work. No. No. But then I. But then as it. I, I, and then I was kind of thinking, okay, this has like nothing to do with Wong Kar Wai in terms of aesthetic. But yeah. then I found out this thing about Andrew Lau, and I'm like, okay, the director and also the DP of Infernal Affairs was a co-DP on Chunking Express. So I'm like, so it's very hard for me to imagine what Andrew Lau was contributing to Chunking. I mean, he must be, I mean, it's not like horrible, like it looks pretty good, but it just doesn't have, it's not like it's not artistic in that same in that same way in my opinion yeah definitely watching it again made me also remember just how intense color timing was in those watching days. what again um 
Well, well watching watching Infernal Affairs. Oh yeah, that's my first time watching it. But I, I think I think I'm more thinking is watching movies from that period of time. Right. The, the way that films were color timed. Yeah. Back in the day, it's just so intense. I mean, obviously, almost every movie is color graded these days, but. You know, like we're we're in a new digital sort of uh, look, but looking at it, I mean, Infernal Affairs has such this like that bluish gray tint throughout, yeah. and, and even the flash the flashbacks are this sort of like you know a uh, 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 coffee stained looking. I mean, the the movie is it's so drab and cloudy the entire time. I mean, yeah, I could imagine that being Christopher Doyle's contribution is coming in in post and then figuring out how to get it to like be as flashy and colorful as possible. Right. Um, right. Even though it is, it's kind of drab, but also like a lot of the cop scenes are like bleeding blue in the, in a way that I really like. Mm. Um, and it, it actually kind of reminded me of, I get, and the departed didn't go all the way with that, but there are some really strong blues and, and whites in those like in the police scenes in like those interiors and stuff. And I feel like there was definitely like, they definitely took from that a little bit, but, but yeah, early two thousands for sure. Move like also like Tony Scott films or like Michael Mann films. They're, they're trying to, or like, or movies like, I don't know, 21 grams, stuff like that, where they're making stuff look as gritty as possible and bending the colors and tinting it like also the matrix, like the whole first half of the matrix, like let's just make this green, like green tinted and people weren't really doing stuff like that before. I don't know, probably the late nineties. Whenever, Um, whenever I think about that too, I always think of the joke that (laughs) when people go to Mexico, yeah, they, they think that, uh, you know, it's like, why isn't it super yellow? And that's That's just because of how Soderbergh, in traffic. Tint, in, tra- yeah. in traffic, had it tinted. And 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 yeah, and my perception, I mean, I, I have yet to travel to Asia, but my perception of Asia for so long as a kid is like either either it's that Christopher Doyle, you know, sweeping cinematography of the mainland, or whenever it's anything in the city in Asia, you know, in, in Hong Kong, yeah, like I always think like that it's just cloudy and blue all the time. And it's amazing how that colors your your context. Of of a city, <laughs> literally colors the context yeah. of the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. or or there's like an impression that'll be really like saturated and like uh, neon. You right. know, like right. that's my impression of Hong Kong. Yes, it's like yes. You know, and ju- jumping into social context, you know, yeah. I, and I just reading a little bit about it because both these movies, um, what what I what I did. And this is something that I really picked up on this time that I didn't pick up on before was um, at least Infernal Affairs is delving into uh, oh, an, an issue that Asians were having in, in China about uh, colonialism, kind of like post-colonialism and, and the fears. And that, that, that was driving the main character's sort of moral struggle. And I thought that was really interesting. Can um, you expand on that? Yeah. And this is just like... Like there, there's like an identity crisis that folks um, have spoken about in China uh, about colonization from from the UK and then facing recolonization from mainland China. Xiao Ping had the one country, two system policy, and it's like this like weird duplicity, and that that inspired some of the just the, this narrative of of like moral grayness and the duplicity of these two guys both being moles. And then when you jump to Boston, I, I noticed a lot more the 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 race, uh, uh, yeah, the, the cultural struggles, you know, between Irish Irish Americans, Italian Americans, and then you know even even black folk yeah. a little bit um, in in the, the Departed, and um, and then the the Winter the Winter Hill Gang inspired. What is uh, you know, what is the Winter Hill Gang? The the Winter Hill Gang. That's a whitey whitey whitey. Oh, yeah. uh, Whitey Bugler, and, and yeah, he inspired and, the the main villain of this one. Right. I also learned that recently, um, which reminded me that we should watch Black Mass because I've never seen Black Mass. Right. Black. It's, I like. I've heard the score for Black Mass, but I haven't seen the movie. Okay. Okay. That's fascinating. Um. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know. I know. Yes. Yeah. I know, yeah. But I. I. I gotta say. Like, 
I thought that The Departed, it, 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 for some reason this time, and I think it's because I watched Infernal Affairs first, The Departed really stretched things out. And that, that was, that's so funny that you're saying that because that, I, I, I was looking at the, um, I'll let you, I'll, I'm gonna let you finish, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kanye. But, but I saw, I, I was looking at the Wikipedia for the departed and it was talking about what the guys who made infernal affairs thought about the departed. And they were like, it's too long. And they said, <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. One of the, the, the other director, not the cinematographer, he was like, he was like, well, I think the one that we made is actually, I'll just, I'll just quote. Yeah, no, no. Give me, give me that straight quote. Uh, Andrew Lau, the co-director of Infernal Affairs, was interviewed by Hong Kong newspaper Apple Daily, mm -hmm. said, of course, I think the version I made is better, but the Hollywood version is pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> Scorsese made the Hollywood version more attuned to American culture. Yes. Wow. No, no shit. Um and then he said, uh, The Departed was too long and it felt as if Hollywood had combined all three Infernal Affairs movies together. Um, mm, interesting. Oh, yeah. And then, okay, this is the best part. He says, The remake, the script of the remake had some quote unquote golden quotes. Uh, he also felt that it had a bit too much prof profanity. He ultimately rated The Departed 8 out of 10 and said the Hollywood remake is worth a view. Though according to Lau's spokeswoman Alice Tam, he felt that the combination of the two female characters in into one in the departed yeah. was not as good as the original storyline. And then I read somewhere else that that other people involved with Infernal uh, thought that that they did a better job of handling just the female characters in general, which I actually disagree with, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. It's it's interesting because in, in Infernal Affairs I believed uh, some more things in Infernal Affairs than I did in The Departed, but The Departed is more of a mythical movie to me. The Departed feels more mythical than than like something closer to naturalism. Whereas Infernal Affairs, I was like, okay, this kind of this kind of makes sense, you know. Um, and when I say that, it's because like, all right, for instance, the the combination of the female characters, The Departed. It, it is such a, it's such a common, you know, conceit to have this love triangle in American movies, you know, this like one, you know, incredibly stunning woman who's attracting both of the leads. When I was watching The Departed this time, after watching Infernal Affairs, I just, I just, I just didn't believe like the coincidence of it, of these two guys who happen to be moles, who are working for like the same people. And they're hooking up with the same woman. I was like, there's just too many coincidences now. But that just made me lean into the myth-making of it. Whereas Infernal Affairs, they, they, they keep a lot of it. You know, a, a, a lot of, the, a lot of those, those two characters' lives are still pretty separate. Um, before I respond to that, I mean, what, what other aspects were you going to say? I mean, was there anything else about the length of the movie or anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did think The Departed stretched it out a lot, and I, I, I wasn't sure if it was necessary. It, it, it clips along because, I mean, Scorsese is such an incredible director that it, it clips along, and he, he maintains that same freneticism, the whip pans, the zoom-ins, the, you know, like the, 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 the flash montages and pictures and photographs, but you know, there's so much stimuli in the movie to keep you like watching it. But I, I did find myself just like infernal affairs. It's just much more economical. And I got, I got everything that I needed to get from infernal affairs that I got in the departed and the departed just added more depth. It, it added more depth to, um, uh, uh what's her name? It added, it added more depth to uh, Vera Farmiga's character. It did. I think like it shaped her her out, and it shaped a little bit more of its supporting characters. It, it actually reminded me of how David Fincher adapted Girl with the Dragon Tattoo versus the Swedish. Hmm. Uh, Americans just tend to like. It's like, all right, if we're going to adapt this, we got to make it longer. Let's like beef up our supporting characters so they can also get Oscar nominations. You know, like it's just like 
it's just let's just fill it up with more and i mean look i'm if the directing is good enough i'm entertained but it did feel a little bit um unnecessary for the thesis but uh, that, that was my yeah my maybe thing. unnecessary for the thesis but but to me completely necessary for feeling immersed in the moment to moment i mean it really is hard for me to to detach because i've seen the departed probably 20 times and so <laughs> for me i was like and and i had watched it recently and then i'm throwing on infernal affairs and then being like wow they really did birth like to me it just feels like source material for the departed so i can't really fully give myself over to it and also that filmmaking language is so like it's foreign it's figuratively very foreign to me just because the way they use music and the like just that hong kong like action movie style of filmmaking it doesn't really like work for me as mm. as like near not nearly as much as like scorsese naturalism uh right right or right. whatever you know whatever you want to call it I mean, that, yeah, like talk, realism yeah the use of music for sure i mean that's a uh, it, it the hong kong filmmaking especially in the early 2000s it's like so it's a little at least when they're using music especially it's a little ham-fisted you know yeah. I, I do think most people, if they watch this now, they'll watch it. And pretty much anytime any character dies, you might groan because, you know, it's like. Because it that- launches into this like <laughs> montage of like. <laughs> and then it's like they show they, they show these like three flashbacks of like the most touching moments with the characters. And it's like, no, it's like we didn't really have a connection with the characters in the first place. Like. And and I and it and it was cool. Like I I dig that, and I feel like it had a sentimentalism, like a good kind of sentimentality, uh, yeah. that I dug because it like placed a lot of weight. It like wasn't an excessively violent movie. No, it didn't have no. any. Like I wonder how much of it was was like due to the climate of censorship or whatever. Because mm. or if it was just or if it was just like the filmmaker's taste because there was like very little sex. There was n- zero sex very, nudity. Yes, very good point. There's very yeah. little sex and nudity, whereas in the the Departed, I mean, even the 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 uh, theater scene when they're having a meeting with it's pornography. You yeah. know, yeah, it's pornography in the U.S. version, and then the other version they're just watching just a normal film, and he just happens to be in a movie theater. I mean, there's a lot to go into about that, but I think Scorsese really likes, like, he wanted it to be as down and dirty. Uh, as possible the thing that that drew him to making this movie when he talks about it is that he wanted to do a quote-unquote b picture and that he liked the idea of doing like a down and dirty like mob versus cop kind of movie so it wasn't like he did it out of i think he liked the idea of going from doing the aviator which was like a big like a lavish period piece essentially to doing what he thought was a down and dirty b picture which then ended up becoming a fucking Oscar winner. And also he's made very few contemporary movies, period. Like, mm, like we can point. go back and look, but, but yeah, I remember him saying this around the time it came out. If you go back and look at his filmography, I don't think he had made, don't quote me on this, but I don't think he had made a contemporary film since after hours in 1985. Cause everything else is looking back slightly. Kundun is obviously period. Casinos, period, slightly, and um, bringing out the dead. I, th- I don't know. Whatever. I think. I think. Yeah. I, think, I mean, it had at least ten years because I don't know when Casino is set. Is Casino set in the nineties? I don't know if that was like period. I don't but. think it is. I think because it, it was based on a memoir. So, I th- and I think those events happened in either the seventies yeah. or the eighties. Yep, yep, you're right. So, yeah, it's been a long time since you had done something. Um, but anyways, I feel like that stuff just gives credibility to it. Like if he wants if he wants us to believe that these guys are like the baddest motherfuckers in Boston, then that then that crew and like Okay, bring, bring out the dead. Bring out the dead. So that's that's contemporary? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, but that was 99. And it's it's 7 years. That's still that's still a long time. Yeah. Almost a decade. Again, it, like it, it, it clips along. I never felt bored. I just, I mean, you know how I feel. I mean, we can delve into Scorsese's filmography, but I, I adore Scorsese when, when he gets some more times to like just be a little bit 
more meditative because he is so fast. Uh, and this is just a weird thing. I, he's such a, I mean, his vision and the way that he can tell stories. I mean, this guy is just like, if, if I can compare anybody to like a, a track star, I think that Scorsese is the filmmaker equivalent to Usain Bolt. You know, like he knows how to just sweep a camera in a room and get, get you to feel the tone of the, of the scene, get the character to say all their lines. And I mean, within like 10 seconds. So it's like, I'm watching it and I'm like, my God, this is, you know, like, I, the, the, I mean, the movie moves at a mile a minute and the quiet scenes in The Departed, they last like half a second, you know, I mean, but they're so, they are like really poignant. I mean, yeah. and this is, this. you know, I might be jumping into directing right now, but what I love that he does is he actually uses the um, uh, deep focus technique right. a couple of times. And, and that was something I, I didn't realize when I was younger. There's a scene where um, uh, uh, Matt Damon is on the phone with, yeah. you know, with with, with uh, Jack Nicholson outside the apartment on the on the roof, or not on the roof on the balcony, and then Vera Farmiga's inside looking at him, and like, and then he does this deep focus thing after the phone call, and I just loved that. I love those moments. I think it's a. Used. I think it might even be a split diopter. Maybe a split diopter, diopter instead. Yeah. Yeah, because because she's really present. Right. But like I think, but yeah, there is a lot of deep focus in the movie in general, and a lot of wide lens. It's like, so sharp. The movie's the background, sharp. The background is just always. It's almost always part of the shot. Like yes. there's there's no shallow focus, basically. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. And it was interesting to see to see how he used cinemascope for that or two three five one for that kind of for that kind of a story because. So for those listening who may not know what that is, basically it's an aspect ratio. There's the old style aspect ratio is 4-3, which is like squarish. And then most TVs now are 16-9. The cinematic equivalent of that is 1.85 to 1, which is just slightly more rect- narrower than 16-9. And then the super wide like panoramic cinematic aspect ratio is even narrower than that and um it's called 2.35 to 1 uh this may not make the cut of the podcast but um <laughs> but it's also known as cinemascope yes uh, or that's what they used to call it when they when it first came out and um and so what's what's interesting though is that um it, so so what used to happen with home video is that they most things uh, got released in standard aspect ratio, standard being 4.3, because that's what TVs used to be. And so, and this is related, basically movies that were done in the, the main cinema aspect ratios, because 4.3 got phased out, I, I want to say in the, by, by the 60s, it was phased out pretty much. Mm-hmm. People didn't use that unless it was for like a gimmick. And so then what they would do is they would crop out part of the image in order to make it fit on your TV. So when it came to The Departed, Martin Scorsese and his cinematographer, Michael Bauhaus, they were sick of seeing that their images getting getting cropped and ruined by the conversion to, to TV and also to standard on home, uh, home video on DVD. So what they decided to do is shoot it in 2351 so that when it got cropped it would take off parts of the image that they basically could live without and that you would still get enough of the image to be like a well-composed shot. Mm. That's, that's what I read in that interview that I, that I sent you. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's sick. That's sick. I think a lot of filmmakers, I think because of the advent of Instagram and people watching things on their phones these days, that's, that's what they're doing now too is people, people, it's funny, like they're pioneering that, at that time because of television and then now people are shooting things anamorphic but they're still framing for for they're still framing so that like if you watch a trailer right. on, on your iphone you know like you that can, it will work in the like information that that'll work in like the one one-to-one aspect ratio exactly exactly yeah i want to get back into the the story sort of social themes and and the writing because one thing I found really interesting 
is the the trajectory of Sullivan's character versus um, Andy Lau's senior Inspector Lau King Ming's character. And, and that's the character who's working for the mob boss who is the mole in the police department. In Infernal Affairs, there's this is just one of the major, major things that stood out to me was at the end of the movie, he goes, he goes through this crazy trajectory and in Infernal Affairs at the end, he kills his own boss out of, out of a very internal conflict within himself. So after the, the other dude is murdered, he decides to kill... Wait, no, no, he kills his own boss just because... This is before he kills um, Tony Lung's character, but he he kills his his own his own boss because of this internal struggle that he's going through with his own you know like sort of moral morality yeah 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 his own like morality struggle versus the Departed Matt Damon has this like very explosive scene with Jack Nicholson's uh, uh, Costello character and he kills him because he's not sure if he's going to rat him out to the FBI as an informant. And I thought these were two very interesting points to, to just guide the, the thesis of the movie. And I actually thought it was like, I mean, I'm processing it still, but I, I do think it's a brilliant way of, re, uh, of, of just redefining the movie for a, a new generation and the times and connecting it to the Whitey, the Whitey Bugler case because a lot of, the the leaders of the Winterhill gang were also FBI informants. So they connected it to that. But I did find this like there was more of a moral gray area in infernal affairs because there wasn't all this informant stuff influencing their actions. You understand what I'm saying? I do. I wouldn't quite say that it was more of a moral gray area. I think if anything, it was just a more there was more moral color. Because, I mean, I, I would argue that there's more of a moral gray area in The Departed, which which I would say in general is just a more amoral, fatalistic, nihilistic film. And, and, but I think, I think what they do really is they take the internal conflict and they give it to Leo's character in The Departed. They give it to the, uh, the cop who's right. in, in the... Uh, Who's the mole in the gang? Yeah, who's the mole in the gang? And I always feel like I feel like the Sullivan character and the Matt Damon character is kind of fascinatingly amoral. We don't know really ever. I mean, we kind of hate him by the end of the movie. So right. in, in a sense, he is like the other villain of the story, or like the antihero, because he doesn't really stand for much. But I think, but I think he's also a sympathetic character, and we can get into why that is. So I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. And I was thinking about this too, when I was, when I was watching it, cause it's like one of the major differences between the films. I mean, first of all, if they didn't add that layer, I would be very curious to read the script draft before they added the whitey bulger. Is it Bugler or bulger? Bugler. That's what you I said. Be, you know, uh, no, I'm, not, whitey... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but yeah, whitey. Well, before they added that layer, because that was Jack Nicholson's suggestion. Really? From what I understand. Yeah. From what I understand, the, the thing existed in a, in a simpler form. And then they decided to add that element and, and bring more elements of realism. Like they just expanded on, on that Costello character to make yeah. him, I mean, I could I could find that quote for you too if if we if we want to go there because I I read that somewhere. Yeah, let me let me read it right here. It says Nicholson wanted the film to have quote unquote something a little more than the usual gangster film, and screenwriter Monahan came up with the idea. Okay, so it was his idea. Came up with the idea of basing the Costello character on Irish American gangster Whitey Bulger. This gave the screenplay an element of realism and an element of dangerous uncertainty because of the wide-ranging carte blanche the FBI gave Bulger in exchange for revealing information about fellow gangsters. So, so yeah, it was like kind of Nicholson's idea to like let's get get more meat on the bone, and then uh, Monaghan came up with that stuff. So, I would be curious to know if there was a turn in Sullivan's character. Maybe he did have a more moralist turn and say and decide to shoot Costello for other reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. 
and then they decided to make it more about because because also a big theme of the film is like it's this iconic line that kind of gets it's so low in the mix but you know this line when they're driving to that final uh deal Mm. and it's uh nicholson and uh, ray winstone Uh, nicholson goes these fucking rats are driving me crazy and and uh winstone goes francis it's a nation of fucking rats and that's essentially like it they're that and to tie into what you were saying about the social climate of it we're talking about post 9-11 america and and I remember my favorite, one of my favorite lines at the time when it came out, because I was kind of a political little brat, that part where the state police is doing surveillance. And then Alec Baldwin comes up behind that guy and goes, Patriot Act, Patriot Act. I love it. Remember? Yes, yes, yes. So it's not just about like good versus evil, bad guys, good guys. It's like everyone's corrupt and everyone's a fucking rat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and those are different things. Right, there's, right. A, there's a difference between being a bad guy, a corrupt guy, and being a an informant and a fucking, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and being a rat. And it's like, I feel like that's, that's a common critique of like the millennial generation, the millennial attitude is that we're all fucking rats and that we're all, we, that we just have a loyalty to the system and we don't have a loyalty to each other and that basically prior generations had a much more th- th- that was just a core like value that was a, that was a morality in in itself was not to um not to squeal on people or whatever the the word is but um like this is t- it's a little tangent but like the film scent of a woman is all about that one kid who won't squeal on his classmates for doing something wrong and I don't know. It just to me that's this is a can of worms of like American uh, morality in general, or and I don't really know how deep it, it goes, but it's like, um, and I think that might be a key difference between like traditional American ideology, the land of the free, the Wild West, versus fucking China. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I I do think that both these movies represent some 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 core differences also in western and eastern philosophy because even the way it opens the way that this movie frames our society and 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 the system that we're in that 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 creates these cycles of us us being prone to being rats and you, you know like these sort of amoral amorality is influenced by the system that we live in and then what I what I found interesting was the way that Infernal Affairs opens. I mean, it's opening it's opening with you know these quotes from Buddhist philosophy about being stuck in in a burning hell, like continuous yeah, the, hell. The, Basically, the, yeah. it's it's the lowest circle of of hell. And I've read I've seen a few different translations of it, um, but it's the idea is that it's a continuous hell and that your suffering is infinite and never ends and that's actually the original title of infernal affairs is um not the original title the uh the hong kong title and the infernal affairs infernal affairs is the english title of that Mm -hmm. film um oh yeah avici so the english it doesn't say exactly what the chinese title is but it says it means the non-stop way which is a reference to Avicii, which is the lowest level of hell in Buddhism. Mm. Um, and then, and so then the English title is obviously Infernal Affairs, which just refers to hell in general, right. but um, which is nice. It's a, it's a really great title, I think. But um, anyways. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that, that, that notion of, of continuous hell and self-betrayal. And then at the end of the movie, it's, it's so clear. Like to me, that is... The, the beauty in, in how the, the remake does just reinvent itself and, or, or, and, and set, you know, separates itself from this film is how it ends. I mean, the original Infernal Affairs, you know, like that, that character, he, he gets away with it. I mean, he gets, he gets away with it, but then he's lost everything. He's lost his father figure. He's lost um, his partner. And then, and then he's killed the other dude you know so like he's like he's still going but now he's like stuck in this continuous hell because you, you can't just 
um, absolve yourself of this, you know, by by with murder. And then, but this movie plays into kind of what you're saying, which is that like, you know, with everybody being a rat, you know, like at, at some point you're going to get got by another person who's also ratting you out, you know, like it's just, it, it, I mean, just the, the domino effect of kills, the way that, that they happen and the perfect uh, headshots at the end of the movie. I think, you know, it's just like one person, yeah, another person, another, you know, it's like to me, the, the Hong Kong thing is more this kind of romantic or like angsty. I mean that in a positive yeah. way, but it's, it's, there's a lot of like angst to it where it's like, he will always be in this place of suffering and always be caught between good and evil or whatever. And like, I, th I think that's great, but I also think, but I think basically that Scorsese his sensibility is just more, and I guess the screenwriter too, because right, right. basically their sensibility is just much more about this is a dead end. It's like, I, I think, I mean, it's very, it's very hard to put your finger on, which is why I keep watching it over and over. But it's like, it has this fatalism to it. That's almost like cutesy. You know, it's just, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, well, everyone dies. Like to me, it's very hard to take the departed seriously on a certain level. Cause it's almost like, I think there's a vulnerability at the core of the departed. And it's a, and it's more about kind of like the day-to-day -day anxieties of trying to like survive in this world. But then it's like, ultimately everyone's fate is just zero. Like no one gets out of this alive except for Dignam. Who, yeah, the man, yeah. which I think, which I think that name Sergeant Dignam is like a pun on dignity. Uh, dignity. Yeah. yeah. Dignam is really like such a straight shooter, you yeah. know, like every, everyone else seems to have like a few angles that they're playing or something. And Dignam is just like always, his eye is always on the bullseye and he's, he's trying to, he's trying to weed out all the shittiness yes, yes. and corruption. And, and I love that. But like beyond, but besides him, no one makes it no. out alive. And even, and even Dignam, he's not, he's not even a cop by the end of it. He's a fucking vigilante. Yeah, pretty much. So pretty if you really, much. no, yeah. seriously, by the end of it, like he's not going to become oh, no. a cop again. Yeah. I mean, and then even the way he like steps out of the room, he's got his, it's so beautiful. You know, he's got the, 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 the foot protectors <laughs> and his, you know, I mean, he looks like he's wearing like a funny outfit the way he's even got his hair, exactly. his hair wrapped up. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't even allow Matt Damon to even say anything. <laughs> I'd love that. It's so fucking good. It is pretty good. It is really good. Wahlberg, that might be my favorite Wahlberg performance. Yeah. Um, it's, it it's, is just, it's just so, uh, he just leans into it. I like the way he chews his words. And, and even in the opening, the, op the first time you see him when they're interviewing DiCaprio, I mean, he's just so good. He's like, what? Oh, no, when they're interviewing Matt Damon and, and, yeah. or, and, and they're congratulating him, you know, on his promotion, he's like, what do you fucking do? You know, like, he's just, <laughs> he's just so good in that scene. I was like, man, this is Wahlberg. This is Marky Mark to a fucking T, just killing, um, eschewing the scene. I, I mean, I actually think yeah. that he, and I, uh, I mean, uh, DiCaprio, I like, he's just so frustrated. This whole movie is just him just on the edge of his seat. Almost so much so that I was like, man, like, can Jack Nicholson not see through him? You know, because right. That's, he's, yeah. he's telegraphing a little too much. Even that, that dinner scene where he's not sure, you know, like where, where he's basically pleading. And he's like, I'm not an effing rat. It's just, it's, it's almost a little. I'm not a fucking yeah, rat. It's almost yeah. too much. You know, like, cause I, yeah, I, I felt, I felt like he was giving himself up a little bit with his uh, intensity. I agree, but that's why, that's why they were suspicious of him. And that's why it, it was his quote unquote performance at, in that scene yeah. where they were asking him because then later Ray Winstone takes him aside and goes, cause they leave with the other crew or whatever for the next job. And Winstone says, there's guys who answer the questions the right way. And there's guys who answer questions the wrong way. And implying that he was way too gnarly yeah. during that, that they sensed that something was probably yeah. off. They didn't have enough to go on, but they were like, mm. so, but, but there is a plot hole there because I feel like it oscillates conveniently between like uh, them not trusting DiCaprio and then DiCaprio's like, oh yeah, Costello, he trusted me more than, he trusted him than more anyone. Than and he, yeah. Yeah. And he left him his, 
his All tapes, tapes or whatever, like that doesn't really track because because of what I just yes. said. So yeah, I don't know. yeah, I, I I definitely thought that too. That like at least in in Infernal Affairs, Tony Leung brings he he just he brings a little bit more of a calmer. Uh, presence to to the character. He does, he does not like outwardly showing so much frustration and intensity. You know that you, that I can I could believe him as the mole, and um, I actually really liked that they adopted the Morse code. I thought that was really interesting, and in, in Infernal Affairs, whereas this movie just used mm-hmm. the texting, but like I thought mm-hmm. that the Morse code was a nice, um, that was just a nice like element. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, like it, the way that they played with that. You know, like and where he was hiding it to keep doing the Morse code. And even when 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 he called him on the phone, and that's how like he realized who was who. That 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 was cool. I like I like that as a as as the form of communication to like get through the wire. Did it ever show them doing the Morse code in real time? Because I don't think I ever saw that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was doing it um, when when they were doing that drug deal with the Thai. With the oh, Thai he guys. was. Yeah, he was like tapping tapping oh, on okay, the window. Okay. <laughs> You know, oh, and that's oh, how he oh. was able to to dump all the all the drugs. Oh. There, there was also one key scene that I I wished was in this, but in, in or that I wished was in The Departed. But there's a scene in Infernal Affairs where Infernal Affairs also it, it's it sets up two protagonists antagonists because you you have the two moles, and then it also sets up the head of the uh, the police chief versus. The, the, the which they do in the department the the as game. well with Queenan. Well, kind of. I I didn't really feel like Queenan was like, you know, like. Okay, we'll get back. We'll get back to that because I have. Thoughts I, I on didn't that, really but, but because in, in Infernal Affairs, there's a whole. I don't know if you remember, but there's that whole scene where the gang comes into the police department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they have a face off, and then they're sitting across from each other, and then basically they're just they're talking about the chess match that's about to get played. And then you didn't think you didn't think that was an unrealistic scene. Okay, that that very good point, very good point, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Reese <laughs> did call me out. That was kind of unrealistic, but I mean, it, it was, was kind of yeah. sick though. It was, was kind of sick because yeah. I, 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 he's eating. Okay, he's eating a meal with his entire <laughs> gang behind him, and they're sitting in the the so called interrogation yeah. room, which looks like a fuck. I mean, like an office. Yeah, I don't know like if that's what they actually table, look yeah. like. Yeah, and it's like no no one would ever do that. And I mean it was fun. it was o- cool, only but, I guess in a yeah. I'm not sure about Hong Kong. I mean, I don't know Hong Kong that well, but I feel like in a in like a third world country, I would believe that happening, you know, because like I mean, it's you know? not like horribly it's not horribly implausible, but I was also like I mean, you don't want to like no, like you you're not going to want to have your entire gang just there physically and then being like yep these are my guys like and granted right like, the, get, they, get, a, get a good look it was, at them it, it was cool because it was this kind of thing of like i know that you know what's going on and like i know that you know that we know that kind yes. of thing um so, yeah. yeah and then and then he has you know there's a cool little quote a little zinger there too where he's where he brings up um the two got two guys who have they need a kidney transplant and then but they have like a card in, uh, in their pocket and and uh, each one of them has to yeah, guess yeah, the yeah. other card, and he's like, "I know what you have in your pocket," and he's like, "Well, I know what you have in your pocket," and he's basically telling him, "Well, you're already a dead man, then," you know. And I yeah. I like that, you know. I thought that was kind of cool. This movie didn't really have the like, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the departed. departed didn't really have the, the that that face off, which I thought I thought that was fine. No, they didn't have that face off. But one layer that I think is important that is not that is is an is an additional layer that basically the departed adds which i think it it doesn't set up queenan as being a protagonist figure in direct proportion yeah. to costello but it does set him up as being a father figure and i think there's really interesting shit going on with uh queenan being the father figure to dicaprio and then also there being this dual figurehead of the father with uh, Costello, because like you like remember that scene where he brings him into his home and he's like, uh, remember he's like, come on, come on, come on through the back door, and then he like, it it gets really like personal with him and he like feeds 
DiCaprio. And there's a couple other moments I wish uh, I had them offhand, but like there are places throughout where Queenan is like the paternal, he's like this gentle paternal figure, basically. And um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, for, no, me that, I, like, I, for me, that really resonates. I did. I, I, I missed, like, when Queen Anne died, I felt it. I mean, you know, Martin Sheen. I, I, Martin Sheen just yeah. brings such a, you know, like a, a humanity to the character. I mean, just in his eyes. And it, it's um, such a, it's such a subtle, subtle, graceful performance. But uh, I, I, think, yeah. I think he does a great job in that, um, you know, like, so, so I do get the duality of father figures because, you know, and, and then you even experience like when he does die and I mean, the departed is so much bloodier than this movie. Cause like they, he just falls right on the concrete and the blood just splatters on DiCaprio and like DiCaprio yeah. gets like 10 seconds to like want to cry. And then the guys come out and then he has to hide it. You know, like I thought that was, that was a really good moment um, emotionally. For sure. I loved uh, also Anthony Anderson. Can we just shout out? Like, yeah. <laughs> I love, I, I, I'm I glad love you that. that. He was. Uh, Scorsese cast Anthony Anderson. I, I, I do. There's one thing about Scorsese is he doesn't, he, do, he doesn't cast a lot of like, uh, you know, black actors in his films, which is fine. I mean, you know, he, tell, he tells his stories. But like, when he does, it's just so interesting who he chooses. And I love Anthony. I mean, I think he adds a lot of personality. Oh my to God. It. I mean, Anthony's like, from the first scene when they're jogging. He just yeah the, the guy the guy's just magnetic you know yeah yeah i mean i'm just looking through the script at other queen and moments and like i just think he has a way of getting getting at um at cost again at like a heart level yeah. and and basically convincing him that this is his destiny and that he's doing it for a good reason and it's a pretty hard sell like he's he's telling him to infiltrate this gang mm. and he says do it again for me Right, right. So, and that's the thing that happens right before the credit drop. Queen has a lot of spiritual pull in this film, and then I feel like Costello is the guy who gives who gives Sullivan a purpose, and and we're led to believe that basically Sullivan's been the son to um, Costello his whole life, and and I think that's part of why he shoot in the departed that's why he shoots him is not necessarily just the fbi thing it's that everything he was taught to believe is kind of false it's like if it's so fucking important that he dedicates his entire life to being a rat within the state police then you know in order for him to for his criminal enterprise to survive and then he finds out that he's giving information to the fbi it's like well, what the fuck is the point of all this? So I have a lot of sympathy for for Sullivan because it's like, what the fuck has the has been the point of his life? Like we don't get any other background with him, but I think we're to assume that that his parents are dead and he lives with his grandmother when he's a kid. Yeah. I, I I I get I get what you're saying, Sullivan being sympathetic. I do think that uh, Sullivan's character is much more sympathetic. The other character in Infernal Affairs, I think, is much more sympathetic. I, 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 I think it's just Matt Damon has this brashness, you know, like, and and I do think that this movie paints him a little bit more villainous, um, if anything, you know, like he he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of these I don't know he doesn't get a lot of these tender moments. He's basically a piece of shit, but I think there is a way to read the film that's a little bit more sympathetic toward him. I think there's enough information in this or like there's enough going on there uh but yeah he's not a likable character or anything and um, not my I, I gotta you know i i love matt damon in this not my favorite my favorite damon performance although i love some of his moments in here i think it's a really hard role to pull it's a hard off. one it's a really yeah that's a hard one you know what i mean because because based on everything that we're saying it's like he's not like in a sense he's not given a lot to work with in terms of being sympathetic i actually really i really like james badge dale too i thought he was who's that he he's the guy who who's the other mole oh yeah yeah the the secret other mole i actually he's an actor i've been watching for a little while actually he he pops up in some films and i i think one day he's gonna get something that i'll like that people will just recognize his name for like a moment i'm waiting for him to get that role but yeah he, he does he knows how to make things his own and he knows how to hold his own against some other great actors. He was also in Flight, 
and he has a great scene in flight uh, opposite Denzel Washington. But he, he, he's, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, give a shout out to James Badgedale, please. Shout out, shout out. <laughs> we, should have a, we should have an audience clapping button. Yeah, yeah, I can add that. So, Baldwin was great. Alec Baldwin. I mean, he didn't have to do too much. He was fine. I mean, I don't know. For me, I got to say, like, most of some of my favorite scenes in The Departed are also uh, the therapy scenes. And then the therapy scenes culminating culminating in the, like, moment of um, DiCaprio standing in Vera Farmiga's kitchen and then yeah. her being like, this vulnerability is really freaking me out right now. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, is it real? And he like nods. And it's a very like, that's not a scene that would get written now. It's just not like, I, I don't know how to describe that, but it's a very, it's very of its time. Like that kind of a, ro- like this like very vulnerable, anxious romance. I think it's beautiful. I think it's, I think it's great. And I'm glad that they added that. Even though there's this implausible element of the of the love of it being triangle. the same right, girl, right. I, I still think if they didn't have that, it would just be these two women, and like we wouldn't get a chance to care about. Because yeah. to be honest, and I, I, and it, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't. You're right. I did not care about the relationships with the women in the Infernal Affairs. But Infernal Affairs also, it's a shorter movie, and it's not trying it, to. It's not. Well, yeah, it's not trying to be that. It, 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 it leans much more toward just like the father, the paternal figure stuff, and and you know like the tension between uh, the two moles. Whereas yeah. like the departed, the, the departed it, it uses it, it, its time economically. To yeah, the, the love story ends up becoming such a poignant part of it, and the and the mental illness. Is, I'm glad you brought up that thing about mental illness because that is another theme in this movie, like the anxiety. Um, you know, him begging for the prescription pills, you know, like uh, Infernal Affairs doesn't deal, uh, you know, like at all with like how we self-medicate. Yes. Well, there's always more to discuss about these oh, two man. fascinating movies. Um, if you haven't seen The Departed, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and if you haven't seen Infernal Affairs, it's definitely worth a watch. And Stefan, yes. Stefan has a a lot of love for it and i have some love for it as well so yeah, yeah. no the, the the these are two extraordinarily um just captivating movies i mean they're just they're, they're fun fucking watches so yeah. ladies and gentlemen watch them um let us know what you think and thanks for tuning in again um you know we love you all so much peace out